What is going on, everyone? Welcome back to another episode of the Wizards of Gallery Place podcast. Brendan and Damo back on the show, and the Wizards have won seven of eight, I believe, including five in a row. They're going for six tonight against the Golden State Warriors, but we're going to go ahead first and talk about this recent stretch of games. Um, I mean, I guess we knew coming into this that the Wizards were going to have one of the easiest schedules remaining in the NBA. A few weeks ago, we knew that was going to be the case, and it looks like they're taking advantage, which is what you want to see teams do because, you know, you can look at the schedule and say, well, they're only winning because they're playing bad teams, but it's the the teams that have a strong mental that take advantage of that, and they're 100% taking advantage, and we know the OKC game was close. Um, They've had a couple nail biters, and, and they probably shouldn't have lost that Toronto game. Um, when Gary Trent Jr. hit that buzzer beater. But, I mean, just overall, 7 of 8. I mean, how are you feeling as we enter this last stretch? Uh, Yeah, I mean, I feel like, you know, it's kind of predictable. I mean, we talked about it before, uh, you know, what they needed to do in order to kind of get that 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 10th spot. Uh, I mean, when you looked at, you know, the way Russ kind of elevated his game, Bertans, you know, getting back in shape and hitting his threes. Uh, and then you looked at the schedule coming up and the Wizards at the time, I believe, had the easiest schedule in the league. Uh, you know, and then the the their counterparts in the East that they were chasing, you know, had top ten uh difficult schedules. It was kind of like, you know, if this if if they're gonna do it, this is the time. So uh but uh yeah, and they've been doing it, and I think I think it's a combination of 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 Russ's play, elevated play, Bertans hitting shots, and then of course uh, the Gafford trade. Like uh, I, I really think that that's pretty much changed their trajectory defensively because they finally have a big in there that can deter shooters, that can deter uh, shots at the rim, and it, and it really just. It, it changes your defense. I mean, they've needed it. They've needed a big like him since uh, John Wall's second, third season in the league here. So, um, you know, and they finally got one, and he's on a really good contract. So, um, yeah. I think all those things combined has kind of changed the Wizards' fortunes because, uh, yeah, uh, they're gonna they're gonna have to win games on the defensive end. Like they're not gonna outshoot teams. Uh, you know. They have to win it on a defensive end and then get timely buckets and stops in the fourth quarter. Yeah, and so we're going to get into the three key players who I think are most responsible for the Wizards winning as of late. Before I do, I just want to give everyone a little bit of a heads up here tonight in terms of the Wizards playoff watch. So we obviously have a game tonight against Golden State. Um, Cleveland, I believe, plays... They play. I think they play Toronto tonight, and then I think Indiana plays Oklahoma City. So um, just in case people are standings, watching, and that sort of thing. So if we were to beat Golden State tonight, and then or, – or no, sorry, Chicago plays um, Cleveland. So Indiana plays Oklahoma, Chicago plays Cleveland. If Cleveland beats Chicago and we beat Golden State, then we move up to 10th, even if um, – I don't know. I think Toronto plays, and I think Toronto plays Brooklyn tonight, actually. Um, but yeah. Toronto's still technically a half game back, 
So even if Toronto were to win, we would still get 10th as long as the Bulls lose and we beat the Warriors. But just a little bit of an update. But I I think the three players that are most responsible, um, I think we just touched or you just touched on all three of those. Uh, Westbrook, Bertans, and Gafford are the three most responsible for me. Um, Beal kind of had a little bit of a rough stretch there, but he was clearly coming off an injury and just didn't look right. Um, wasn't hitting his normal shots. And then we kind of saw him go on a little streak where he was actually making three-pointers for a game or two, and now he's kind of went back to just sort of being a mid-range, at-the-rim kind of guy, which is cool. But even if he gives you that 30, I mean, that's nothing different than he's been doing all season. So I don't want to yeah. – I mean, you want to give him credit, but he's not like the difference maker because he's been doing that all season. The difference makers are those three. Um, I, I mean, yeah. specifically with Daniel Gafford, I mean, his presence has been – felt a ton and I think some people are getting a little too ahead of themselves I'm not ready to put all of my eggs in that basket I still want to see him get more minutes and opportunities down the stretch I know Scott Brooks has been trying to use him uh, to close games now which I I think is good for the experience because come playoff time you want to know if he's going to be there for the moment And and he certainly has I mean his chemistry with Russell Westbrook is pretty damn good um yeah, and tons of and tons of credit to Russ as well um, during this stretch because he he's been great. Um, he still has some moments where you know he he drives you crazy, but I, I think at this point now it's safe to say he's giving you more good than bad. So when the bad happens, it's it doesn't look as bad on the eyes because you know that yeah. he's doing a bunch of other things to affect the game in a positive way. And, and you can say that about other players too. I, I don't mean to make it like Westbrook is the only one that drives me nuts. Um, There are plenty of players on this team that drive me nuts sometimes, but that's what happens in the course of a game. You know, no one's going to play a perfect game all the time. Um, And then obviously Bertans, who I think, because earlier in the season we were like, ah, he's kind of back to normal. And then he kind of went back to the Bertans we saw at the beginning of the year. But now I think he's like, he's back, back. As long as he stays healthy and, and, can get consistent minutes. I, I think this is the guy that we're going to get till the end of the season. And I mean, going into a play in and into a playoff series, I mean, that's huge because that is, I think yeah. that's the true X factor of the team. Yeah. I mean, it, uh, like I said on our, our last show, uh, I, I felt like the Berton splits, win loss splits are the, the biggest on the team. Like nobody impacts winning on the Wizards more than Bertans. Like, and it's literally just his shooting because we know he doesn't really do much else. Nope. But if if he's hitting threes, the Wizards typically win. <laughs> if he's not getting the touches or he's missing threes and you're getting long rebounds that lead to opponent fast breaks, uh, coupled with his defensive liability and uh, lack of playmaking and rebounding, well, you're probably going to lose unless you get her- a Herculean performance from a Russ or a Beal or somebody else stepping up to kind of combat it. Because like I said, he's literally our only consistent three-point shooter. Right. Um, everybody else is kind of kind of comes and goes. They'll maybe have a game or two here, or they're just not good shooters at all. Uh, right. Bertans is the only one that, to me, uh, shoots at that volume at a high clip and, and, and does it well enough where – you know, you got to worry about it on the scouting report. You got to, you got to worry about it. And and for me, he's been back since February, like since February, he has the highest net rating and offensive rating on the team. 
Mm-hmm. Um, and, and surprisingly, his defense has actually been pretty solid. I think him playing alongside a Gafford and even Lopez and Spurs, who's played good defense recently, I think has helped him. Like mm-hmm. Berton's defense next to Thomas Bryant uh, or uh, Mo Wagner looks a lot different than Berton's defense next to a to a Gafford. So you know, right. it, it, it's it's uh it's kind of coming together. It's kind of coming together, and I think, you know, guys knowing their roles helps. Uh, but, yeah, I agree with you, man. Bertans, to me, is the X factor. This team want to pretty much go with how he goes shooting the ball because we're so yeah. dependent on Yeah, I mean, I think also the, the next X factor, I, I think, obviously, and you can make an argument for Daniel Gafford, um, but I think that Bertans is still, like you said, I, I think that the win-loss splits are – um, I mean, I mean it, it, when he's shooting the ball well, I, odds are we win the game. I mean, unless someone just goes crazy supernova or unless Russ, or Brett, Russ and Brad are just completely cold. Um, so shout out to Verton, shout out to Russ, shout out to Daniel Gafford. Um, I mean, they've been a huge help. Um, one thing we kind of touched on before we hopped on here, um, but I want to talk about it a little bit more because I'm not – I'm just a little frustrated with his lack of opportunity, but Garrison Matthews. Um, and I, I understand why they put Denny back in the starting lineup. And I was one of those people that said, well, you need to start Denny. I mean, look, he's, he's a first round pick. Um, he was shooting really, really well, um, at the beginning of the season before they benched him. So I figured maybe it'd be one of those things where he could just get back into rhythm, um, shooting wise. And that just hasn't been the case, but I truly think that going down the stretch here that you may need to consider moving Garrison back to the starting five, just cause you need, an outside threat that can shoot off platform in the starting lineup yeah. along with Russ and Brad, because I mean, and it's nothing against Denny, but, and so here's my second part of this too. I mean, if you're just going to use Denny the same way starting or coming off the bench, I guess it really doesn't matter if you start or bench him. Um, but I mean, the hope would be uh, that if you move him to the bench, he could have more of a ball handling role. And I mean, even when he was coming off the bench, it was still the same thing. I mean, they still just kind of wanted him to stand there and shoot. Um, Now, you can look at it and say, okay, well, he defers to everyone a lot. But I think that's coaching because early in the season and in preseason and all that, when Denny got the ball, he would just run it up the floor himself. Um, We we haven't seen that lately. So I truly think that that's probably more of a coaching thing and, and or someone in his ear saying to just give the ball up. Um, to Russ or Brad whenever they're in because when they're not in, he takes it up the court no problem. Um, even if yeah. it is Smith or, or a Hall Neto is in, he may defer to Neto sometimes if the game's close. Um, but for the most part, I mean, he's pretty comfortable bringing it up. But um, Garrison Matthews really just hasn't gotten a whole lot of minutes lately, and I'm not quite sure why. Uh, I mean, what do you make of the whole situation with Garrison? And I mean, how would you kind of handle that small forward spot? As I mean, how would you handle that as we close out the season? Yeah, it's it's tough because the Wizards really lack two-way wing players. Um, they don't they're they're the guys on the wing that can defend, but they're they can't shoot. And then the guys on the wing that can shoot can't defend. And I think that's kind of the conundrum Scott Brooks has found himself in really all season. Um and, and you know, early on in the year when Denny was shooting well. You know, his defense surprised a lot of people because I still I still believe he's the best wing defender on the team. Um uh even with the 
ticky tacky foul issues he's he's had. Um, but when he was shooting well, it was like it was a godsend because you know he was the he was a he was a three and D who would, you know had the IQ to pass and play make, and then he was hitting his catch and shoot shots, and then he was mm-hmm. also guarding the opposing team's best wing and doing it efficiently, uh, doing it very well. Uh, but then when his shot fell off, uh, it's, it kind of left left you kind of stuck. And that's where I think, you know, Matthews was inserted. And initially he gave you some punch because, again, he could shoot. And his his effort level defensively is, is unmatched. Like he gives it his all. But I just think with Matthews, he has some physical limitations that prevent him from being a good defender. Um, you know, offenses are going to target him. Uh, when he's out there on the floor and it's like for what you for the limited opportunities that he gets shooting the ball it does not make up for what he's giving up on the other end defensively um and and because we are so deprived of shooting you don't want to have Matthews in foul trouble and then you can't use him in the times that you need him on the floor mm-hmm. to 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 generate shots and keep a defense honest you know mm-hmm. so uh, it, it's tough, man. I, I was hoping maybe Bonga would start hitting shots at some point this year. That hasn't happened. Uh, uh, Hutchinson has been just bad ever since his one good game, his first game. He's been bad. Uh, he does really nothing. <laughs> no, nothing. He, he doesn't he's hit a shots. He doesn't. He doesn't finish at the rim. He doesn't really defend at a high level. He just. He's just kind of out there, man. Um, so I, I really don't know. I, I think so far they've been going with Denny. I mean, because he's he's again he's their best defender, and sometimes he can hit in a hit a three pointer occasionally. Um, so they've been going with him, I believe, since the All Star break. He's like fourth in minutes played a game, so he's been getting time. It's just one of these wings has to be able to hit shots. I don't know. And defend, and I just don't know who is going to be. Um, like, and you know, and you, it's not like you can go out and go sign somebody at this point. I mean, you have what you have. So, I mean, I guess if push comes to shove, um, if you're still looking for more of a shooting threat, and, and this is going to limit Garrison Matthews' minutes even more, but I suppose you could try starting Isak Bonga again, and then seeing where that goes. But I would just rather play Denny. Um, and Garrison over him just because I think overall I, I think those two are more effective if they're on their game. I mean, Denny can – I know they never do it, but Denny can post up a little bit. Um, obviously, we talked about the defense. Bonga is kind of the same thing. Like last year, I thought he was a good defender and he got a lot of tic tac fouls, but a lot of it is just like he, he gets body calls and he still has a mm-hmm. tendency to do that now. Like, he's not as disciplined as Denny is with that. Like, like Denny, when he gets close to people, he 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 gets caught sometimes, but for the most part, he's pretty disciplined in terms of that. Bonga's not disciplined with that. Um, no. But, I mean, I, I suppose the most all-around option is, is probably Bonga, but, again, I, I think Garrison can still light it up, and, and it can have that kind of Bertans effect at times, and then I think Denny's defense is too good, and on a team that needs it, it doesn't warrant him getting less minutes than he's already getting right now. So, um, I mean, yeah, gun to my head, I'm probably starting Garrison Matthews heading into a playoff series, and then if you need to make an adjustment 
Um, you know, if, if maybe Garrison's getting cooked earlier, he's not hitting shots, then you can say, okay, then we can go ahead and put Denny in maybe at about the eight, seven minute mark and then bring Garrison yeah. in with the second unit with Russ and, and try and get those shots going. But, um, yeah, I think they might have to go kind of matchup based. Like before we got yeah. Gafford, that's kind of like where we were with the center spot. It's kind of like they really don't have a wing that's kind of separated himself as the clear cut best option. So right. you almost have to just go kind of like by matchup. Like I think in a game like tonight against the Warriors where, you know, they have Kelly Oubre, who to me isn't really like a one-on-one ISO uh, type score, you probably could get away with playing Matthews there because they're going to be featuring Steph Curry and then probably Wiggins. Um, you know, so, I mean, if you want to try to put Matthews on on Oubre, you might could get away with that and then just hope that he's hitting shots and he's able to stay in front of Oubre without getting into foul trouble, particularly in transition. Because um, we know once <laughs> Oubre get it out in transition, it, it might be somebody getting baptized. So, uh, right. you know, on that end, you you might could get away with it. Uh, but I think when you're going up against the more premier wing scores in the league, you probably need to play a Denny or a Bonga. Yeah, um, and then just touching on the center rotation real quick, um, just because you brought it up, I kind of like the three-center rotation with this team. Again, I think no one's kind of separated themselves as saying like, okay, well, you definitely need minutes over this person. I think all three do unique things that help this team. Um, I mean, even in going into mm-hmm. a playoff series, I'm totally fine with playing all three. I mean, you you start Len for you know four or five minutes, then you bring uh, Gafford in. And then you bring Lopez in with the second unit to help you get some offense before Gafford comes back in and hopefully closes the half in a strong way with a good defensive presence. I mean, I like how they've handled the center position for sure. I mean, how do you feel about that? Yeah, it's interesting. And and and, and I actually think they're kind of carving out a new blueprint for how you kind of manage the center position going yeah, forward on rosters. So. Yeah. Um, because it's just is it really worth paying one center 20 plus million dollars when you can go and get a Gafford and a Lopez and a Lynn for a combined under, you know, 10 mil to do the same things, you know, catch lobs, be a big body rebound deter some shots. Uh, like, and so I think, you know, Scott Bush has kind of navigated this well where you know, Lynn kind of does a little bit of everything mm-hmm. as far as being a big body, being an interior interior score, uh, being a, a you know a defensive presence, and he's just a body out there. Like you're not just gonna move him out the way. So right. he gets some starts. You know, he's able to. You know, he can he can play full force, full energy, full effort because he's not worried about. Oh, I gotta play 30 minutes tonight. So right. if I pick up three fouls, I'm putting my team at risk of losing. Like he can just play, go full force, and he know he got a sub coming in for him. And then you got Brooke Lopez, he gets in, he's going up against, you know, second string centers, you know, and he got that hook shot and his size, like they these young guys just can't. First of all, these young bigs come into the league now. They do not want to guard a center like Lopez. Like 280 pounds plus, 
put his butt on you and just move you out the way. Like they don't want to guard that. <laughs> they just don't. Yeah. they just don't, man. And he hits you with a hook shot that you can't even get to. You know, they they don't want to guard those type of guys. Um, so I mean Lopez has been killing. I mean, he's been looking like Tim Duncan in the paint <laughs> with that with that hook shot. Um, and then of course you got Gafford, who's just a, a freak athlete, you know, who's able to pretty much to tear all types of shot. Like he's the the way he's been playing, it's been almost like Rudy Gobert type yeah. impact defensively. Um yeah. And all of the numbers kind of bear that out. So uh, I, I think, you know, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. Like, I think they should keep going with what they're doing. Like, uh, where, like I say, all three centers, you know, bring a certain tangible to the to the roster. And right. because all three of them are getting minutes, you don't have to worry about foul trouble. Right, which makes it a, a bigger discussion. And you start including Thomas Bryant in that Uh it's not like Bryant was getting a ton of minutes to begin with because I think only on the season before he got injured, he was only getting, I think, 23 minutes a night. So it's not like they were playing him a ton. But I think with this current center rotation, I mean, I like that if, if they want to bring that back next year. And, you know, you can try and, and move Bryant, which I think is easier said than done, especially when you consider that he's going to be expiring next year. And I'm not sure how much you'll be able to get. Um, I, I mean, yeah. you'd probably be trying to trade with a team that um, is trying to get off some salary that has more guaranteed years beyond this next season. So I'm not sure what the trade market will look like for that. I mean, of course you'd want to upgrade the wing, but, and we don't know what Robin Lopez is going to cost this summer. We don't know what Alex Len is going to, I mean, you would imagine Alex Len will probably be another vet minimum guy and you can bring him back on that. But then even if you have to pay Lopez the MLE again, um, if you can't get a wing, of course, I mean, I'm totally fine with that because then you're still like paying centers around that that 10 million mark, which is what you would have just been paying Bryant and Gafford by themselves. Anyway, and you yeah. can have three guys. And like you said, I think it's nice for Alex Len that he can kind of start and just go out there and just be a body and be a force because he doesn't have to worry about foul trouble because they got three playable guys. So it doesn't matter. Um, yeah. and, and I think you're right. I mean, they may be onto something and, and I hope that, you, you know, and, and Brooks may be back next year, you know, they may re up him for another one year deal, especially if they make the play in it. And who knows, maybe they surprise and, um, win a couple games in the first round or something like that. You know, you never know that that's all matchup based and we'll get into that down the road. Um, but I mean, going forward, I would like to think that our next coach, if it's not Brooks would kind of adopt that same thing and, and take note of that. And I hope that Tommy, has taken note of that too, um, either for himself or if Masai comes in over the summer, you know, say, hey, you know, we've been rolling with three centers here for the past few seasons or so. And, um, you know, it's it's been working out. I really like the way that they handle it. It just allows them to play hard. And certainly yeah. you don't want to do that with every position. I think right now we're still playing about um, 11, 12 guys a night, which obviously is going to probably be uh, shrunk by two or three guys come playoff time. Um, yeah, but overall – but overall, I mean, I still like the way that they've kind of handled their minutes. Um, one player who's kind of been more effective as of late is Ish Smith. I mean, uh, what do you make of him in sort of that backup point guard spot? Yeah, his his jump shot has been a lot better returning. Um, he changed it. It looks yeah, different. It, it looks it looks it looks it looks more one motion than right. that kind yeah. of two motion hitch shooting yeah. on the way down type thing he was doing before. 
Um, and, and to me, he's a point guard. Like, I think he's the most natural point guard on the team. Like, he, I agree. he has that probing ability where he can break a defense down off the dribble, get into the lane, and find shooters or find guys cutting, or he can look off a defense, have him thinking he's going one way and then pass it the other way. Like, I think, you know, he's really the only true point guard on the team. Um, I think Neto is more of your, like, a two. Like he's mm-hmm. not much of a playmaker to me. Like he's kind of a just kind of like scrappy guy, uh, you know, who likes to kind of score, score the ball and shoot it. He can catch and shoot. Um, but yeah, Ish has been, you know, he's he's also been another piece that's kind of helped this seven one uh stretch that they've been on, seven and one stretch that they've been on. So yeah, I've been I've been impressed with his play. And he's been playing defense too. So yeah, so let's get more into the uh, the Eastern Conference real quick and kind of where things stand. So um, right now, I believe it's Indiana at nine. Um, they're obviously going to be without Miles Turner now for a little while, which I think hurts. I don't think it hurts as much as people are kind of saying on Twitter. I mean, it hurts, but it's not like it's drastic to me. Um, but but nonetheless, I still think they'll take some losses. I, I think they have a really difficult schedule, too. I think they had like the, the 28th ranked schedule which obviously um is harder um that the higher number is is harder so i mean they'll pro- they're probably good for some a decent chunk of losses do we play them again or are we done with them i think who, we who is that? indiana uh ooh. it's either we play them one more time or we don't play them at I all i don't know if we're done it. with them or not uh i know we play charlotte again yeah, and that's that's an important game. We got to beat them. Um, They're starting to get healthy too, so we we got to hope that Charlotte gets losses um, pretty soon. Um, and and they've been losing a little bit lately, but got to hope for some more before they get Lamelo and Malik yeah, Monk back. And all that. We play Indiana twice. Uh, oh, we still play them twice. Anyway, yeah, wow. play them twice. Wow. Yep. Those are going to be huge. I mean, those could. That could be the difference between, you know, us having a home game for the play-in or um, us having to play, like, the seven seed or something. So, I mean. Um, yeah. Yep. And you, and Charlotte is the last game. But, yeah. And you right. got Toronto, too. Um, I was going to ask, I mean, how serious are you considering Toronto and all this? Uh, I think they're trying to win. I, I don't think they're, like, Dogging it and trying to tank, I think they're kind of, they're kind of in a similar spot. I, well, no, nah, I won't say similar spot because you got some some key guys coming off books this year. Uh, I, I think they're trying to win, but I, I think with the way the season has gone for them, with the you know, with them ha- not being able to play at home in their home arena, no fans, you know, some of the the quotes that, and stories I've been hearing about Siakam as far as coaching. Uh, you know, they're kind of just like, all right, this is this is a clearly a transition point with the team. And, you know, we need to see what we have as far as some of these young guys that are going to be under contract for next year. Right. So because Lowry, you know, Kyle, back. yeah. So Kyle Lowry, you know, if you you got to, you know, your back hurting a little bit tonight. All right. You go ahead and sit out, <laughs> you know, right. um, you know, we're going to see we're going to see what uh, Malachi can do. Um mm-hmm. You know, so and it's the right approach. I think it's the right approach, but I don't think they're trying to. I don't think they're tanking like they're trying to target 
you know, a certain player draft status, like, you know, say like OKC is doing. Um, Mm -hmm. Yeah, but I I think they're trying to win, but they're also trying to evaluate guys that are going to be under contract for them the next couple of seasons. Um, I don't know how many games back of Charlotte we are in the loss column. It might be three, I think, at the moment. Um, but there's certainly a team to watch fall. But the teams that we're likely to go up against in a play-in scenario um, would be either Indiana or Chicago. Um, I mean, what do you think about either of those teams? I mean, obviously, we ju- I just said, you know, that, and, and we know they'll be without Miles Turner for a little bit, the Pacers. Um but the, mm-hmm. the Bulls, I think, have won a couple in a row. And, um, you know, they're, maybe they're starting to look a, look a little bit more comfortable with each other. I certainly think Chicago um, pers- on paper is probably better than Indiana, even with Miles Turner. Um, I know that there's a lot of things that factor into that. You need to have a healthy Levine and all that. Um, but, I mean, yeah. what do you make of those two teams? And how likely do you think it is that we'll finish higher than one or both of them? Uh, it's possible. I mean, it's no way to really tell because their their schedules are are a lot tougher the the Pacers and the Bulls than ours. Yeah, um, and I don't know what it is about the Bulls, but that that Vucevic trade hasn't paid dividends like I thought it would. Um, I thought they would go on a streak and kind of fight for possibly the top six spot when they made that deal, and it's kind of been the opposite. Um. I think they're like two and seven since since the trade. Uh, so, yeah, I, I'm not sure really what to make of them. I don't know if it's if they're still just trying to figure out roles and you know with the new guys and rotations or or what's going on with them. Um, so I, I know they've definitely taken a defensive hit replacing Wendell Carter with Vucevic. Uh, in that starting lineup, and then also losing Gafford. I think that's really hurt them. Because like, I thought Ga- Gafford would be so perfect as a reserve big behind Vucevic. Um, yeah. And they don't have that option right now. Um, and it's like so th- they- they're giving Troy Brown opportunities, but it's not like Troy Brown is doing anything different than he's done here. I mean, it's... Yeah. He, he's not a different... He's, not, he's just not a needle mover or difference maker. Like, he's just... No. You know, I don't think he hurts your team, but I don't think he's the guy that's gonna add, uh, you know, any wins to your to your win column. You know, right? Um, I, I mean, if you want to do that trade, they they probably have more wins right now. The Bulls. Oh yeah, because Gaffer can sure. change a game. For sure, I, I think it's more so the fact that they don't have anybody to replace. Now that you didn't put Vucevic, who's not a really defensive big in your starting lineup, um, you don't really have a guy to kind of come behind him to to be that defensive stopper. And then you got Laurie Marketer in, in your front court. He's definitely not a defender. Um, so wh- who, who are the stoppers in that front court? You know, you, you asking Thaddeus Young to be a, a rim protector? Like, <laughs> you, just, <Yeah. laughs> you know, it's just not, you know, it's just not, they don't have, they don't have the bodies they need down there to to, to really keep guys out of the paint. And we know with like a Kobe White who's still young, Levine who's not really much of a defender, they're giving up dribble penetration. So you need a guy in that paint that's going to tear guys, and they don't have it. So they got to outscore teams. Yeah. Um. 
I guess just kind of looking at the standings, I mean, it doesn't look like the Hawks are going to fall any further. I, I truly think that if there's going to be one team that kind of plummets, it would be Charlotte. Uh, and that's only just because they're injured. I mean, if, if they weren't getting injured, I mean, they'd probably still be the four seed right now, I feel like. Um, the the Knicks have built themselves up quietly into a solid team. I mean, I'm, I'm still kind of glad that they get the – I mean – so a good scenario for me is like we either play Philly or Milwaukee round one if we get the eight seed. And then if the Knicks can win, then we play the Knicks in round two. I think that's a pretty good shot that the Wizards can make the Eastern Conference Finals. Because um, I think you have the best, I mean, in the Bucks or Sixer series, I mean, you have two out of the three best players in that series. Then obviously in the Knicks, you have uh, the two best players in that series. So, um, but but I mean... How do you feel about the Knicks? Uh, I don't know. Maybe I'm holding, you know, their their most recent, or I wouldn't say recent, but since Melo, their their uh, past history against them. But I just don't. I'm not sold, man. Me neither. Uh, no. I'm just not sold at all. Like I still feel like they're like a first round exit. Yep. Um, because when the when the when the lights get turned on, what I mean, what has Julius Randle shown he can do in a playoff series? What has RJ Barrett like you're you're relying on a bunch of guys that have never been there before to 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 carry you? And it's cool, it's a nice story, you know, regular season. But if you asked me in a seven game series and we playing the Knicks. Uh, or who I I'm betting on five or six. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Like if Russ and Beal uh, versus Julius Randle and 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 RJ, RJ Barrett. That's laughing. Like, man. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I like our chances. I, I'm gonna just be real. I like our chance, especially with the addition of of Gafford, because that gives us a, a matchup big versus you know their Nerlens Noel and Mitchell Robinson. Um, because the Knicks they went in on a defensive end. They play they slow pace. They mm-hmm. play scrappy. Um, they're not a shooting team. They they just play scrappy. They slow pace, and then they kind of out execute you in the fourth quarter. Um, yeah, I, I like I said, I, I just don't know in a seven game series in the playoffs. I'm I'm not really sold on that. Like it's a good story right. though, um, right? And I mean, he, he, I know that we because I don't think we've beaten the Knicks this season, right? I, I think they've beaten us every game. Um, they, but- yeah, one game they beat us bad, and then that the other game. The second game, we was up by like twenty, and then blew the lead, and they came back and won. So, right. Uh, and the point I wanted to make with that is, you remember the two thousand fifteen playoffs, and guess who we didn't beat in the regular season? We uh, we didn't uh, we didn't beat Toronto, and then we yeah. swept Toronto. Yeah, so, and then you swept them. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so it yeah. just goes to yeah. show that in the playoffs, when um, y- you really got to look at your star players and. You know, it's really, truly more matchup based. You know, exactly. I mean, we could be. I mean, the, I'd probably still say Wizards in six, but I would really want to say Wizards in five, um, just because. I, I mean, again, you talk about like slowing down. I mean, you're not slowing down Russ Beal and then Bertans in transition. You're not doing that. Good luck, but it's not happening. Unless you make a crazy amount of your shots, but again, like and Julius Randle and RJ Barrett are, are solid. Don't get me wrong; I think they're both really solid players. But it's like when neither of them really have a right hand, um, I, I'm just forcing them to the right, and I'm saying, "Okay, you guys go ahead and beat me then off the bounce." And I don't think that they yeah. can, and I don't think that they would. 
Especially if you yeah, have Rui to... on Randall. Like, it's not happening. I'm trying to think. That second game we played in when we blew that big lead, did we have Gafford yet? No, I don't think so. Because we're 7-1 I mean, and one with Gafford, and that yeah, only loss have... was against Toronto. I yeah, think. we didn't have Gafford yet. Like I, like, I feel like the Wizards are. And I don't even think in that game we had uh, – I know Ish Smith wasn't there. I think Was Bertans playing? Ooh, well, I had to go back and look, but I, yeah, I feel I like know. the Knicks team, the team that the Knicks played that second game, even though we was up by twenty at one point, I don't think that's the same Wizards team as now. Like I think, no. just looking at their rotation and, and honestly, come a playoff, I think right now the starting five would probably be uh, Russ, Bill, and Denny, Rui, and then Lynn, right, and then your reserves. Would be Ish Neto at the two, Matthews, Bertans, and then the the two you know the two bigs Lopez and Gafford, right? Um, you know, so I, I, that's a different team than what the Knicks played. <laughs> you know, when they when they had that comeback win. So, mm-hmm. um, yeah, and, and it's weird because it's like you look at the Wizards roster now with got the way guys are playing. You're like, wow, you know, it's actually a pretty deep roster if they could just. It is. Yeah. If they could just hit shots <laughs> and stay healthy, yeah. I mean, they could hit shots, man. That's really that's really it. Like if they could, like it seemed like all of the guys are like shooting below their their averages from three, Bill included. Mm-hmm. Like Bill, even mm-hmm. Neto is shooting below his averages from three. Like um, mm-hmm. it's just been a weird year shooting wise for them. Yeah, and their starting lineup is like Alfred Payton. Um, R.J. Barrett, Reggie Bullock. Who, I, I like Reggie Bullock. He's a fine player, but I mean, as you're starting small forward, I mean, you really just got to stop him from shooting, and I mean, like, you're fine. Um, and yeah. then Julius Randle and Nerlens Noel. That is not a terrifying starting lineup by any means. And I know you talked about Mitchell Robinson. Is he supposed to come back anytime soon? I didn't know if he was out for season or not. Yeah, see, I have no idea. I know the Knicks were really in on trying to get Andre Drummond, which I thought was odd. If you have, you know, Mitchell Robinson and Nerlens Noel, um, right. so maybe I mean that's kind of the writing on the wall with what what's going on with Mitchell Rob's health. Uh, yeah. So. But yeah, I mean, I mean, if, if they play the Hawks in the first round, I mean, the Hawks are winning that in probably like five games, uh, maybe six, maybe six. But I think that if you have Capella to match up in the front court along with John Collins. Yeah. And you already have Trey Young. You have a shooter like Kevin Herter and, and Gallinari and Bogey. I mean, it's the, the Knicks aren't keeping yeah, up. Yeah, the, the Hawks would the Hawks would would mop the floor with them. I, I yeah. don't know. Yeah, yeah, and I ain't even counting Herter, who's been. I mean, not Herter, Hunter, who's been really good. DeAndre Hunter. Yeah, um, he's been really good. So I, you know, the Hawks are a deep team too. You know, their issue was was coaching. It looks like because I think I think since they made the coaching change, they've had like a top five record in the league. Yeah, they've been they've been really good. Um, shout out Nate McMillan, by the way. Never should have lost his job, but good for him in hindsight because now he gets to coach yeah. a good team. Yeah, that's crazy. That that's to tell you all you need to know. He he was with the Pacers, had them overachieving. He leaves now they in the bottom of the standings, and then he takes over the Hawks' job, and they've been a top five team since he's been coaching. I wonder <laughs> if that was sort of always in the plans. Like, I wonder if they sort of figured that maybe Lloyd would get fired this year, and that's why they brought him on to be a replacement at the lockup for three or four more years after the season's over. Yeah, I don't know. You never know with these teams. You just never know. 
Yeah. But but Nate, I always felt like Nate could coach, and he's proven that. So um, yeah. Um, I mean, looking else around the East, I mean, the only real three threats in the conference that I think you can consider, like one of them is, is making the conference finals, if not two, is Philly, Milwaukee, and Brooklyn. I feel like anyone else after that can be had. Um, I don't think the Hawks would be a great matchup for us. I think the Hawks would probably beat us in about five or six games. Um, Boston, I oddly feel kind of optimistic with that because their bench is poop. And they got like, deep enough. <laughs> no, and, and everyone else uh, we just talked about and can be had. So, I mean, if the Wizards can just stay healthy. I would sleep on the Heat. I would not sleep on the Heat, man. I, I think the Heat have a very legit playoff roster. Um, They've been up and down this year because of injuries and all types of stuff. But I think the Heat got a mob, man. Um, yeah. And they obviously they have elite coaching, but right. I think the Heat could give a lot of teams fits. You know, like if, if I'll put it this way, if the Heat got to the conference finals again, I wouldn't be surprised. I think they're currently sitting at are they five or six? They're seven right now, but they're only a game back of six. Right, because the Knicks are the Knicks of New York. Right, five. Right, okay. Two back of four, so like they could just legitimately be the four seed. Um, which is probably not good for us, because I mean, if you're a Wizards fan, you're hoping that the Knicks or the Hornets get four. I think. Um, and the Hornets, I don't think, are getting four at this point. So I mean, you pretty much just have to root for the Knicks to get it, but. Um, Eastern Conference is definitely going to be real interesting going down the stretch here. Hopefully the Wizards have a good bracket. I mean, right, I think that's kind of a perfect scenario, like I was saying earlier. I think if you can avoid Brooklyn, and this is, of course, assuming Brooklyn is healthy. If they're going to stay banged up, then maybe playing them in the first round wouldn't be as bad as it seems. Um, but, I mean, I mean, if you can play Milwaukee or Philadelphia, um, okay, let me ask you this. Who would you rather play out of those two teams? Out of who? Uh, Philly and Milwaukee? Yeah, in the first round. Definitely Milwaukee. Definitely Milwaukee. Okay. I just worry about the depth because I don't think Philly has the best depth in the world. I know they got like Tybal and Shake Milton can give you some problems. I know they got Dwight Howard off the bench. But, I mean, Milwaukee is legit like a a deep roster. But, I mean, I guess you're just kind of relying on Giannis at that point. And we've seen Rui have some really – really solid games against Giannis. So, um, but you're taking just, Milwaukee yeah. over Philly. Yeah, I, I mean, just because Embiid is just impossible. He's impossible, man. Like, you you cannot guard him. Um, but we haven't played them with Gafford now, so I'm interested to see that. Are we done with Philly, or do we play them again? I think we play them again. I don't right? think we play them again. There's one team. We legitimately don't play another, like, great team except Milwaukee. The rest of the right. year. Like, it's it's Milwaukee. Outside of that, the Lakers, you can't even – it's the Lakers in Milwaukee, and the Lakers are, you know, they're Injured. not the Lakers right now. So, yeah. yeah, like, they legitimately could, you know, run – I mean, how can I say, it's literally Milwaukee. Outside of that, they can <clears> win <throat> any of the rest of these games. Um, yeah. So, you know, they got a really, really favorable schedule, Come, you know, the rest of the way. So, we'll see what happens. But yeah, I mean, so I mean, dream scenario is you play either one of those two teams. Um, I guess in your case, preferably Milwaukee. I'm not sure if I prefer one over the other at the moment. 
Um, and then you play the Knicks in the second round, or you hope the Knicks can take care of whoever they play. I mean, hopefully the, the Celtics get five. I think that would kind of help the Knicks out a little bit. I think the Knicks would win that series. I think the Knicks would win that in six or seven games. But So you're saying assuming we got – somehow we managed to get make the play in, we, we get through and we get that last eight spot. So mm-hmm. – if the playoffs started today, we would, assuming we were the eighth seed, Miami seven, Boston six, Knicks five, uh, you got Hawks four, Bucks three, Nets two, Philly one. So it will be <laughs> first round matchup versus Philly. <laughs> I, I don't see us winning that at all. I think it would take some innovative coaching. I think that it would have to be like you double Embiid every time he touches it, and you just need to make sure that you're covering Seth Curry um, off a double. And, and you got Danny Green, too. Yeah, I'm not scared of Danny Green, man. Danny Green in the playoffs is a problem. <laughs> it's the reason why he got a ring the last two seasons on different teams. Uh, <laughs> so. Uh, yeah, I don't, uh, yeah, you know, it, what they need to, the Wizards need to be trying to do, they need to be trying to get to, I don't think it's possible, but just try, goddammit. They need to be trying to get to six. Cause, yeah, yeah. Again, like, I mean, like, again, their, their schedule remaining is not strong. Like, they, they could win. Okay, they got one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, ten. Fifteen games left. If they went, if they won eleven of those, where would that put them? That would put them up what? Uh, how many games under five hundred would that happen? Or would they be over five hundred? They would be over oh. five. Okay. Yeah, so that you know, that would put them. Around kind of where the that would put them at uh, thirty-five wins. So yeah, let's say that's the target, thirty-five wins. If they got the thirty-five wins, I feel like that. Ooh, because Boston already at thirty-one. Right. Yeah, that might be tough. Yeah, thirty-five wins would definitely put them at seven. But that's still the play-in. That's still the player. Yeah, that's still the player. And they'd have to play a tougher team. I mean, they'd have to play a tough team eventually because they'd have to play ninth or 10th, depending on who they where they finish anyway, and then they'd have to play the loser of 7 and 8. So, <sighs> yeah. They had to go on a hell of a run. Like, <laughs> they might have to go 14 and 1 or something crazy like it, that. Down it, it's got to be like <laughs> the NFL and you got to run the table, man. <laughs> Which is yeah, hard in basketball. Like that, man. And yeah, it's, it's not it's gonna happen. It's not gonna happen. Yeah, it's, it's not happening. It's not. Um, I guess just a little bit more of a preview for tonight. Fans back in Cap One for the first time in a long time. I know that some people on Twitter have been saying that they're going tonight. I wish I could go. I'll maybe try and catch one when I get home, and maybe go to the Cavs game in May. I think that's a home game, either that or the Hornets game. Um. I don't know if that Hornets game is home or away, though. I got to double check. But I know that I think that Cavs game is home. So I may try and go. Um, are you going to try and catch any games before the uh, season's up or maybe down the stretch if, like, they mean uh, anything? Oh, no. My wife is kind of a little antsy about hopping in the, the arena. Oh. 
Okay. Even okay. though, even though we're both vaccinated, but I, I'm not sure about it this year. Right. Yeah. Definitely next year, though, for sure. Yeah. And maybe, maybe um, if they, <laughs> maybe if they, you know, you know, to say they, you know, they get in the playoffs, the actual real playoffs. I might just go. I'll just go by my damn self, you know. But <laughs> outside, outside of that, I'm not sure. Right. Yeah. Um. But anyway, a little bit of a preview for tonight. So we got Steph Curry coming into town with Andrew Wiggins, Kelly Oubre. Uh, who do they got? Kent Bazemore, Jordan Poole, Kevon Looney. Not the best team in the world, but certainly Steph has been on. I mean, my God, like just insane level. And this is why, like. I will never take any Curry slander. To me, he's the best point guard of all time. It's not really a debate for me. Really? Um, yeah. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, um, I'm not going there. <laughs> he's that for me. I know some people will say magic. Some people will probably consider guys like Chris Paul and all that. But, I mean, he's been the best point guard in the league for a long time now. Um and I mean, he's clearly. I guess, I guess for me, I guess it's like, how do you define point guard? Because to me, Steph is not a point guard. The last time Steph played point guard, he couldn't stay healthy. Um, and I'm just talking overall player, I guess. Yeah, and so, yeah, and then it's like, okay, well, then if he's a if he's a shooting guard, you're taking him over Kobe and Jordan and and D Wade and no, well, that's a different so position. Like, <laughs> I guess for me, I'm like, okay. If I got Steph Curry as my starting point guard and he's matched up against another all-time great point guard, like a, I don't know, a six foot nine Magic Johnson. Steph Curry is still frying him. 100%. And what is Steph Curry giving up on the other end, though? Yeah, that's fair. But threes are better than twos. Magic Johnson couldn't really shoot. He's going to get his 30 if he's not in foul trouble. You see what I'm saying? And like, and then it's like, okay, well, what rules are we playing by? Because if I can hand check Steph Curry, I think that limits a lot of what he's able He's play that played point guard that if they was playing in this era, would have put up way bigger numbers. Yeah. So that's why I can't just jump to that. But he's definitely the best point guard of this era for sure. Um, I mean, overall, I mean, how are you feeling about the game tonight? Give me your prediction. I mean, who wins? At first, I had the Wizards winning, and then I just looked at the the Warriors' net rating over our last over their last eight games, and they have the best net rating in the NBA. <laughs> you know, the, Wiz- the Wizards have the eighth best rating over their last you know eight games, seven and one. Uh, but yeah, I mean the Warriors offense has been insane. They I mean yeah. Yeah, they have a 117 offensive rating since their last eight games, you know, obviously with Steph playing out of his mind. So whew, it, it's it's going to be a shootout, man. I think it's going to be a shoot. I think it's going to be something similar to the Nets game where it's just going to be it's going to be Steph versus Russ and Beal and they just going to be going at it. And it's gonna come down to who's more clutch in the fourth. I I, I think that team. they're gonna need Bertans tonight in the worst way. Yeah, like Bertans has got to hit like five or six threes. Yeah, and when he does, they win. <laughs> yep. Yeah, they, yeah. When he does, they they win. So 
And, and the crazy thing about it, and it drives me nuts, is like they almost never look for him. Like they, ha- he has to be wide open for them to hit him. Because if they ran more plays for him, or like there's even times when Russ is just dribbling, and the guy who's guarding Bertans is not even giving a crap that he literally has space on the wing. If it's just a quick little pass over every time, I mean, Bertans could legit have like seven, eight threes a game. And I'm not kidding. But it's he like could. They, they I, don't I don't understand it either. I don't understand. They don't really run. Like that's why I was joking the other day on Twitter when I saw them run like a, a like a, a a backdoor action with Denny throwing a oop to to Russ and it was like whoa like we ran a play like something right. that wasn't so yeah. obvious you know Russ pounding the ball Bill going one on five you know jump pass or handoff pick and roll like we actually ran a play and it's like I wish they would do that more with Bertans and, and some of the you know with Matthews. But it's mm-hmm. just not, you know, even the shots that Bertans gets, it's like, it's just him really just standing out 30 feet out and he just catches it and he pulls. You right. know, it's thank God he's seven feet, you know, he can just shoot <laughs> over guys. Yeah. But yeah. that doesn't work for a guy like Matthews who's 6'5". You know, he needs he needs to get, a, you know, get off guys, come off a screen, come off a pin down, a V-cut, something, and get the ball and be able to set his feet. He's not seven feet tall and can just pull it off any platform, you know. So, uh, I, you know, I'm not I'm not going to go in on Brooks, you know, but I just wish we had some more innovation in this offense. To really He's saving it all for the playoffs. Maybe. Maybe he got a Randy Whitman chicken wing under, under <laughs> the coat. I don't know. I doubt it, though. I doubt it. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I'm trying to think back to like Wizards playoff series. I mean, did they ever do anything like that fancy? I mean, because they basically, I mean, I feel like they had the. It slowed down a little bit, of course, as it does in the playoffs when when players care more about each possession. But I mean, I feel like all they did really was just still run pick and roll. I mean, they ran Brad off some screens sometimes. They ran Otto off some screens sometimes. They had a couple. Um, mid-range looks for Marquis. You saying early on with Brooks, like the 16-17 season, or you mean? Yeah, with, yeah, yeah. I mean, any of the years that they made the playoffs under Brooks, because like, uh, no, not really. They've never been really a team that ran a lot of plays. I mean, but it was yeah. when you with Wall, you kind of had a guy that kind of could just orchestrate stuff. Yeah, uh, like I said, I don't. He's a guard but he's not really a point guard so it's a little different like <laughs> like if we had Chris Paul on the team like you don't have to really run plays because Chris Paul is literally like a coach on the court um, but I, I don't believe we really have that so I would prefer them to run some sets especially in these fourth quarter moments where you know you need to execute what was um that game we had? I don't know if you'll remember the opponent. Don't feel pressure. But there was one game where Russ was coming out and was just strictly looking to get guys involved. Um, was it – was that another Warriors game? I forget which game that was, but there was a game – it might have been New Orleans. But there was a game where um Russ came out and was just strictly looking to get guys involved, and it was the most beautiful half of basketball I've seen him play. That was the game where they missed three layups in a row and all that. Was that Toronto, actually? That, that might have been the, Toronto. The Raptors, yeah. 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 That game was beautiful. If we can get that kind of rust in the playoffs along with his clutch shot making in the fourth quarter, I mean, I like I like our odds, you know, up against most teams in the Eastern Conference. So 
Um, and especially up against the Warriors tonight, um, you know, got to look to get guys involved, make sure everybody eats and, you know, that whole sort of thing. Um, but anything else you want to get to before we go on and get out of here? Uh, no, that's, that's all I got. Uh, that's all I got. All right. Well, Hopefully they win tonight. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I hope they win every game here down the stretch. They're going to need it, especially if they want to try and get some better positioning. Um, but I want to go ahead and thank you guys for listening once again to the Wizards of Gallery Place podcast. Um, if you don't already know, you can follow me on Twitter at Threes Trice. You can follow Damo at Damo underscore LXV. What, what is it? LXXXVI, right? Yep. All right. Yep. Nailed it. All right, guys. Uh, thanks for listening, and we will see you next time. <laughs>